Huddle this evening is Trish Sherson, Sherson Willis PR, Mike Munro, work for both Helen Clark and Jacinda Ardern. Hello, you two. Hello. Okay, we've got the FPA repeal, got the 90-day trials reinstated. That's fair enough, isn't it, Mike? No, it's not. Look, I think this is a mean, short-sighted and unjust bill that the Nats are putting through on FPAs. Um, these working people uh, who will benefit from FPAs, they don't get the fair share of productivity gains now. Um, and, and, and this FPA arrangement was going to give them some chance of, you know, of, of lifting them up from sort of lowest rungs. Th- these deals also had a, a commonplace in countries that we like to call uh, you know, uh, like-minded souls, places like European countries and Australia. And they set out, they set out minimum standards, and I stress the word minimum, you know, for the people who, who are cleaning our toilets, who are stocking our, our supermarket shelves, driving our buses. Um, in fact, that, these were the people who are held as heroes after the pandemic because they keep basic services going. And now they're sort of turning around and spitting in their eye. Getting it done by Christmas is quite a smart move, isn't it, Trish? Because it'll shut the unions up next year. They won't have, they won't be able to whinge about it in twenty twenty four. Well, exactly, and it is something that needed to be um, done in a timely way. I think just a couple of points on FPAs, though. I mean, you know, it's been very interesting to hear people saying, "Oh, well, this government's not listening to the regulatory impact statement on this," because actually, the regulatory impact to the Labour government about uh, FPAs said, "Don't do it." And actually, the way to go about this, if you've got an issue with um, minimum standards, then go about um, establishing a body to introduce a limited set of sector-based minimum standards where there is a labour market problem in consultation with employers and unions. They said do not do FPAs and also you could strengthen existing collective bargaining mechanisms. So the last government went completely against the advice of their officials Mm. in ramming FPAs through in the first place. They were they took Jim Bolger's advice instead. No, they were poor legislation, and actually, they are not done in the way these were being proposed anywhere else in the world. How can you have ten percent of workers who sign up mean that every worker in that industry is then covered by an FPA? What do you make of these ongoing leaks, Mike? They seem to me that they're worse for the public servants because they just make the whole public service look like it's not actually politically neutral. Worse for them than it is for the government. Well, there's two things I'd say about that, Heather. I mean, public servants right now feel under huge pressure. Um, they've got grave fears about their jobs because this government is going to attack the public sector uh, in a way that it hasn't been attacked for a long time. 6.5% cuts in budgets, you know, is going to shed thousands of jobs. So that's point one. Secondly, when someone feels under pressure, when they feel threatened, what do they do? They lash out. And so leaking is one weapon, if you want to use that word, that public servants have at their disposal. And, and, and so that's why this is happening. There's anger, there's anxiety about their future. And, and I think you'll see more and more of this as time goes on. Oh, do you think so, Mike? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Don't you think? They feel under pressure. But doesn't Catherine like DeLore have a point, right? So Catherine DeLore, the, the Health New Zealand um, comms boss, has put out a, things, put out a, a LinkedIn post saying this is deeply disappointing because it calls into question the neutrality of the public service. And if anybody can't hack what's going on, they need to be cut out or opt out. That is good advice, isn't it? I, th- I thought that was, yeah. Well, go, I, thought Trish, it yeah. Was, I thought it was common sense, actually, from, 
from Catherine, and it comes back to two things. Number one, what is your role as a public servant, and what does that um, what does that demand in terms of the way you um, behave in the job you're there to do? But also, I think to, to you know Mike's point about the public sector under attack. Um, I think the public sector is being asked to do what every New Zealand business has had to do over the past three mm. years, which is to look really, really carefully at every dollar spent and every person uh, on the floor and, um, and and how that's working with the constraints that everyone is under. So, you know, it, it has to be the public, the public sector uh, has to be doing what every other business is doing because business is paying for them. Mike, that's a fair point, isn't it? Um, yeah, there's an element of truth in that, but I think we're talking about a scale here of cuts and change, which is going to you know, devastate people. Um, and uh, I think, I think you know, it, it goes beyond what the private sector is having to experience right now and has been asked to do. These 6.5% cuts, you know, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to look at the sort of population of public servants in this country. There's about something like 50,000 plus. So, so that's, that, that's, that figure means you know, three to 5,000 jobs could go over the next short while. And as I say, they don't know where the cuts are coming. So people throughout the public sector will be feeling very anxious and wondering, is it me? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, OK, we'll take a break. Come back in just a tick. That's our huddle. 10 to 6, you're back with the huddle, Trish Hurst and Mike Munro. Trish, uh, there's a headline from PISA that says that our kids are the worst behaved in the whole OECD. Do you believe that? Well, I'm not surprised at the headline, um, and I think what we've got to be um, really cognizant of is particularly the impact in, on kids over the past three years. You know, there have been some kids, for instance, in my daughter's year who ended year 13 this year, and they had a normal first year of high school, and then pretty much every every one of the rest of them was um, was disrupted with COVID. So that has had a massive impact on kids. It's had a massive impact on their families and the stress that's going on in their homes. Um, and I also think, you know, we need to be realistic. These aren't issues that schools can solve by themselves. You know, they're dealing with the behaviour at the bottom of the cliff, if you like, as, as mm. things have gone bad at home. And, you know... Um, there, are, there is a great anecdote that I heard recently from a, um, a rural school nurse, and she said, you know, behaviour during the week can absolutely be tracked by how hungry kids are. So the longer you get into the week, the hungrier kids are as money's run out at home. Yeah. So it's all of that kind of stuff that we have to be, um, you know, try, trying to address. Yeah, I, I, I tend to believe it, Mike, because the alternative which has been posited by a, a principal, is that actually the kids are not that badly behaved. It's just they're, they're happy to squeal on the other kids because they have a low tolerance. I think that's unlikely. Well, yeah, look, look I, I think there's a point in that. The, the thing about the survey is it's not very scientific. Uh, as I understand it, it's sort of students' perceptions of their peers. Yeah. Um, and as somebody said today in response to this, one of the teaching advocates that you know, maybe it just shows that kids here have got less tolerance for disruption in the classroom than, than kids abroad. Um, you know, Kiwi kids can be very direct. Uh, well, when they're teenagers, they have yet to learn the sort of art of diplomacy, and they can be sort of brutally frank. So, so maybe they're seeing disruptive behaviour in the classroom around them, and, and they're calling it out uh, to a greater extent than, than their peers in, in other countries. So, look, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about this. Uh, as I say, it, it's not scientific. It's, it's a snapshot 
um, of, of students' views, and I think it's it's a you know it's worthy of discussion, but we shouldn't get too sort of a uh, you know uh, anxiety ridden about it. Guys, good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Too early to say Merry Christmas. I'll say it anyway. Merry Christmas to you guys. Trish Hurst and Mike Munro are huddled this evening. Seven away from six. For more from Heather Duplessis Allen Drive, listen live to News Talk ZB from 4 p.m. weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.